Today I'm chatting with Sam Goyle. Sam founded Singapore-based Solar Horizons back in 2014, a solar leasing company operating in and around Southeast Asia. He's a leading voice in clean tech, and earlier this year, Sam was recognized amongst the 50 global green leaders by the World CSR Congress in Mumbai, India. We chat about solar, of course, uh, where the industry's heading, what's coming next, and we also touch on, on the impact of, of COVID-19, the current situation. Sam's in Goa in India at the moment, where he's, he's stranded due to the lockdown. Uh, the connection wasn't perfect, but it does improve as the conversation goes on, so please bear with it. Here's my conversation with Sam Goyle. Hey, Sam. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, Maddie. Thanks for having me. It's really good to see you and good to be here. Cool. And you are... Um, where are you today then? I mean, I, I know, but for the audience, let's jump straight in and talk about locations because... Um, sure, as you can see from my sarong, I am actually in Goa, India, uh, in Arambol, uh, which is a little village in the north of Goa that's traditionally known as the hippie village. And uh, I have been here for the last month and a half, and I am now here indefinitely due to Corona. Uh, and I must say, man, could be much worse places to be. True enough. So you're, you're obviously, I mean, we know each other from Singapore. I'm now in Thailand and, and yeah, you're in India. So how did you end up, um, but what, how come you ended up in Goa? And, and we'll talk about the current situation sure. in a minute because it's kind of, you know, the, the podcast isn't about Corona, but it's the elephant in the room. So we'll talk about <clears> it. But yeah, how did you end up in India? What, how come you're there? Um, well, look, in a nutshell, man, you know, I'm still figuring that out as <laughs> to how I ended up here. Uh, but the background is that, look, I'm based in Singapore, as you know. Well, these days I'm a nomad, but Singapore's home base. Anyway, I had an award, uh, was awarded 50 global great leaders. Uh, there was a conference in Mumbai where I was speaking. So I decided, okay, let me come to India for a seven-day trip, three, four days in the city, three, four days with my grandmom uh, in central India. And that was uh, in early Feb. Then when I got here, I realized, hey, things in Singapore due to corona are also getting a little iffy. At that time, India was still considered safe. So I said, well, why don't I stay on and, you know, finally kick the remote working, uh, which is a business model I've been working on for the last year, year and a half to get rolling. Uh, but let's just jump into the deep end. And all this was pre-corona. And so I decided to come to Goa with the beautiful white sand beaches and beautiful people and finally finding some good internet and getting set up. And then Corona hit, man, and suddenly we went into lockdown. Half the town got evacuated. Food supplies started getting uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty scant, and uh, everything kind of just flipped on its head. But you know, I must say, I feel that the universe has, has brought me to where I'm meant to be. Like I think for most of the world right now. Uh, but that's that's the reason why I'm in India, man. It looks like I'm going to be yeah, here so we, in the foreseeable future. Yeah, we were scheduled. Um, we were scheduled to chat. I think about ten days ago, which was when everything just kind of went crazy there, right? So you're, are you in, what, what, what is the status now? So you look pretty happy, so that's good. But you're, you're, are you curfew situation? Are you in lockdown? What, what's the oh, kind yeah, of word? I mean, it's, it's 100% lockdown, 100% shutdown. I mean, look, uh, I'll start by saying that I think, you know, no matter what situation, either any one of us, these 7 billion people are facing, it's all about how we handle it internally, right? And it's all about the attitude that we choose to, to adopt. Uh, but the choices we make that I think determines our Corona Corona time. Uh, from my side, the status is, look, uh, the shit hit the fan. Uh, India announced an overnight lockdown of 1.3 billion people, unprecedented in this planet's history. Uh, 
And the reason they did it was, A, they don't have the kind of medical systems that you have in the West. This is a poor country. It's a developing country with hundreds of millions of people that don't have access to anything close to healthcare, let alone welfare. And in a situation like that, I think the drastic measure of the lockdown, which frankly caused a lot of panic, a lot of chaos, a lot of fear, a lot of starvation, um, actually was the right move. So when it happened, you know, I'm in a particularly remote part of India. I mean, Goa is, is known as a tourist state. Uh, look, I'm Indian, but I've lived outside of India for the last 27 years. So, you know, kind of weird because on one side I feel that I'm Indian, on the other side I don't. So it's this weird place. But, you know, coming to the situation, um, look, food supplies were, were stopped because the borders were shut. And uh, for the first four or five days, it was quite a panic scenario. The cops were enforcing things pretty strongly. They were giving out free bamboo massages, which are basically beatings with <laughs> long bamboo sticks to anybody breaking curfew. Uh, but lots of evacuations happening. It was a bit of a clusterfuck, right? But having said that, you know, uh, things are improving daily. Um, I think food supply situation is improving. Most importantly, I see that the community has come together, uh, supporting each other, people who are stranded from all over the world, the locals, other Indians. And you know me, Maddie, you know me for a long time. I've been quite an entrepreneurial, business-driven dude, not so much community, you know, and that's something you and me have interacted many times in the past with a lot of your initiatives, right? With the footsteps in the wild, it's the footsteps of good, sorry, and, and various community things that you've been involved in. And you know me, I never really got involved. Um, and that's a huge transformation. I mean, I get goosebumps when I say it, you know. That's what I feel that why I'm meant to be where I'm meant to be, because I've grown to become an active part of our community, helping with food drives, helping with information sharing, helping with keeping people calm. And, you know, there's like 150, 200 people on these WhatsApp groups. And I've never met anybody of them, but, you know, it's all supporting each other and the locals are helping. So, you know, in summary, uh, it's a bit of a shitstorm. But I think when you have people coming together and helping each other, uh, you also learn to consume less, waste less. Uh, you know, I live a pretty simple life now. I mean, you saw my fancy apartment in Singapore when you were there. And my little beach house is <laughs> very different. And things such as cold water from ice is a, is a luxury that you, you, you appreciate, you know, fresh bread, uh, fresh fruits, all of these things that we just take for granted are suddenly important parts of one's daily life. So, yeah, man, I'm in a good place, you know, and, and I'm wishing that everybody who may listen to this can also find the lightness, find the light through the darkness and see that silver lining. And I think later on, we're going to talk hopefully quite a bit about that, you know. Yeah, cool. I think I mean that's pro I think that's really the only the only way to look at it, right? I mean, it is to mm. just kind of have some sort of positive kind of outlook on the situation right now. So, and good you're getting getting stuck into to helping and stuff. So, are you still running? You're still running the business. So, I, I want to talk about your business a bit. You're still running the business from there, while you're there. Solar Horizons, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know that's also been one of the big transformations in, in my life path right now. That Finally, after seven, eight years of a lot of hard work, a lot of time, energy, money, uh, but not necessarily seeing the quote-unquote financial return. Well, you know, we all think we're going to become millionaires when we start a business, right? And most of us fucking fail and a lot of us just lose our shirts, but few of us hang on. Uh, and I know that you're, you're also one of those, you know, hanging on. And frankly, I think it's now coming to fruition because, you know, as a result of, <clears throat> of my own life changes, as you know about it with Global Change last year, but also as a result of this transformation that's happening at the global level. I think remote working is now really working. <laughs> and uh, 
yes, I've been managing my business, uh, fully plugged in, using various tools. Thankfully, I have fiber internet. I'm one of the few people in the village with fiber. Um, so that's, that's, you know, enabled me to have an anchor in my business, uh, have it support me and, and, you know, in return, still help my ecosystem, which is pretty considerable in Singapore and Malaysia, which are the two key markets uh, in solar and the solar business. Um, and to still keep the machine rolling, Maddie. You know, of course, things are slowed down. Of course, it's challenging. Of course, payments have been stuck. Of course, deals have been tanked. But you know what? What gives me a lot of faith and confidence and, frankly, motivation in this, in this tough time is knowing that the collective will of my people is one to endure and not sit on our hands and not mope about the situation, but do what we can and get things moving. There's a lot of back-end stuff, commercial stuff, contracting, financial modeling, negotiations, investment, design work, engineering, permitting, all of that can still move. So yes, you know, I am, I am operating the business <laughs> slowly but surely. Uh, and, and I believe we shall survive this, you know, this too shall pass. So I wanted, sorry, just for our next question, just with your mm. sound, just, I think, are you on an iPhone? Are you on? Or is it a, I am, shall I switch to my headset? Wait, let me switch to my headset. Yeah, the sound is okay. It's just as you're moving around, we're losing, losing it a little bit. So. Yeah, hold on. I must apologize for the internet connection. It's fiber, but... <laughs> no, it's good. It, it, it's good at points, and then it just kind of kicks out. So, yeah, if you've got a better way of stabilizing the sound, go for it. It'll... Uh, how's that? Is that better? Yeah, that is better. Can I hear you? Okay, great, All great, right. great. Cool. Yeah, I think that, that, that's probably a, a safer bet. Yeah. So with obviously, I've known you since I, I can't. I think we met. I, I don't. With I don't know whether you had you've been running Solar Horizons already, right? When we met, I think you were kind of. Yes. I think you were going through that painful first kind of year of a startup, which you know exactly is, is always the trickiest. But I mean, just before we get into that, I mean, in terms of the solar landscape itself, um, of which I know very little. If, I mean, I'm sitting in my house here, which is solar run, fun enough. But <laughs> in terms of the, the business landscape in Singapore, what does it look like today? You know, like, like is solar something that's uh, something kind of cool to talk about, or is it a, a you know a business opportunity for people to get into? You know, what, what can you mm, tell me about mm -hmm. solar in Singapore? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll take it from a slightly larger lens of regional and global, and then I'll zoom into Singapore and Malaysia, which I think come together. So uh, first point is, look, man, when I started the business seven, eight years ago, when we first met around the time I first got, when I got married, uh, solar was something cool to talk about. Um, it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't competitive. It was exciting. It was the future, but it was still considered a small boy's game in a little corner, right? When I talk about the wider energy generation landscape, things are drastically different now. And this is why I'm so glad I held on and the universe allowed me to hold on for dear life on this solar coaster, as we call it, uh, because today solar energy is the cheapest form of energy generation available to humankind, both at scale and both at small scale, which is another big focus. Because for me, I'm focused on rooftop solar, distributed generation. And, you know, you don't have the economy of scale like you do on a 50 hectare power plant or solar farm that you would on a you know, half an acre rooftop, right? Having said that, because the technology's efficiency has boomed, the costs have tanked uh, because of innovation, not because of corona, uh, and uh, you know, traditional energy sources are simply no longer competitive. So actually today, solar is one of the big mainstream energy generation businesses. It's more competitive than coal, than LNG. Uh, don't even talk about petrol or diesel, right? That doesn't even come into this conversation. So yeah, man, I think, I think you know, uh, that's probably one of my crowning glories. 
we freaking survived, you know, and we've survived and got to the tipping point. Unfortunately, with, with the current situation, the tipping point has taken a little bit of a, let's say a little bit of a hit. Uh, but look, man, energy generation and solar energy and creating power is a game of 10, 15, 20 years. You know, these power plants are built to last and, and people will always use power and the sun will always shine. If the sun stops shining, we all die anyway, right? So with all of these fundamentals, I think solar is extremely exciting. It's finally here. It can grow. It can scale. It's booming. It's, it's, I'm so glad I'm in this business. The, the difference between what you're doing and, and solar is you're, you're specifically in a, in a solar financing model, right? So if I'm a business, you, you will come in with a, a value proposition that says, you know, we'll install this stuff, we'll finance it, we're simply going to put a reduction against your bill. Uh, is that how it works? It, like you, yeah, it, you, you explained it simpler than even I could. You know, it's basically that, right? Zero upfront fit out, pay for power usage at a significantly discounted rate to your grid, save money from day one, don't have the operational headache or the financing risk. And what you offer to the table is A, your rooftop, right? And B, the consumption of your power, right? Yeah. So actually, it's, it's a model that originally when it was mooted seven, eight, nine years ago, was considered like WTF. Uh, today, it's becoming the norm. And our specific focus is in large commercial and industrial. Right. So I'm talking about rooftops that are five, eight, ten thousand square meters big. For so example, fa the factories and warehouses, yeah, data centers, for example. Okay. We just did this massive data center for Singtel, which is actually the largest project that we've done. It's one point six megawatts. What that means to normal people is it's around a nine thousand square meter roof. So almost 100,000 square foot. And then you just imagine how big your apartment is, right? Well, in your case, you have a beautiful big house, but most people live in an apartment of 1,000 square foot. So it's 100 times that. Um, it can provide enough power for around 550 four-bedroom flats. Um, and it's going to pump out power for the next 25 years, right? So when you build something like this, even if you have a tough year, which is this year, I think the long-term fundamentals are still strong. Right. Yeah, and and the other part is what you asked about Singapore, and I'll talk about Malaysia too. Look, man, Singapore was home ground, right? Uh, I started my solar career in India, and then I moved, working from Singapore, working in India, and then starting my own firm in Singapore. Uh, today, Singapore is considered a super mature solar market. There's actually a lot of solar deployed. In fact, the boom days are already gone. There's a whole new movement towards what's called off-site solar generation, where you're generating in point X and selling at point Y using the grid uh, as, as your conduit. Um, things are scaling, right? So Singapore has now become a mature tight market where we're one of the few players. Uh, and That's one of our competitive edge. That we have the local knowledge. We've been around for a while. So we're quite successful in bringing in foreign investors into the Singapore market, albeit the projects are drying up and they're getting more competitive. In Malaysia, which is our big brother market, which where we entered about a year and a half ago, solar, particularly solar financing, is now at its absolute boom. It's, it's hot, hot, hot. And that's a big country, right? As you know, Malaysia is not a small country like Singapore. So actually now for the next three, four years, Malaysia is hot AF. And we're well positioned there with some strong local partners and, and we just won our first couple of deals. So, you know, despite the current kick in the gonads that Corona has done for everybody, uh, in terms of economically speaking, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, we'll, we'll lose a few deals. Things will slow down a bit. We'll, we'll have to tighten our belts this year. But I think once the gloom lifts and once things start to recover, 
um, I think it's going to be good, man. So I'm, I'm just holding on now, you know, seeing how things play. Sounds like a sensible approach, mate. So I, in terms of the, te- I was interested in the technology and, and if I'm asking, we didn't talk before about this, but um, I've got panels here. I know nothing about solar, but do you, have, <laughs> I mean, you, you're in the, you're in the financing game really as much as you're in solar, but do you, mm. are you also technically kind of geeked up on, on where, the in, where the industry, so how's it changed, you know, in the last 10 years? Yeah. Mm, good has, question. Has solar dramatically changed and what's happening next? You know, what, what is the next Absolutely. 10 years? Like? So I'll just take a step back to give a little bit more color around what we do as a business model. Basically, we're developers, right? So when you develop a project, there is the technical component, there is the commercial component, the financing component, and then the management component. So it's, it's, it's a full 360 suite of, of let's say, learning you've got to be sharp with. And then over the years, while I'm not a trained engineer, you know, I've, I've I've learned the shit out of solar, right? So technically speaking, um, good question that you said 10 years because it's around as long as, I, as, as I've been in solar. I joined the industry, yeah, around 11 years ago, you know, 11, 10, 11 years ago. So what's changed? Um, give you some simple numbers. <clears throat> the same panel that 10 years ago used to generate 200 watts can now generate 400 watts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They've now started making bigger panels that can generate 500 watts. Basically, from the same space, you now have an efficiency increase of around 50%, which is massive, mate. Massive, right? 60% even. The second thing that's happened is costs have come down by around 80%, right? So the technology has got more efficient. It's still the same. And now they have new type of cells. So, right, how a panel works is that you have solar cells that are placed in a solar panel connected to an inverter that connects the sunlight energy, which is direct current, DC, into alternating current, which is the power that we use, AC, right? That's basically what a solar system and panel does. What's changed is that the material for cells has started to get pretty next level. Um, Without getting too geeky about it, you know, the prevailing technology was polycrystalline, silicon. And now it's got to, it's got to a highly refined grade of silicon that you grow in a lab from a single crystal that has much better efficiencies. So, you know, long story short, solar panel efficiencies have vastly increased. Uh, that also reduces the balance of systems, all of the other nuts and bolts that you need, right? Uh, Made it cheaper. Um, and in terms of what next, uh, it's, it's the solar plus revolution, right? So solar plus storage, i.e. batteries. Solar plus smart controls, where you can schedule and dispatch power. Solar plus diesel, hybrid systems, where you're integrating cog- different types of uh, energy systems to create continuous power, right? Even when the sun's not shining, because that's one of the challenges with solar. Uh, and then the final thing that's happening, which is also quite exciting for me, is the digitization of energy. You know me, mate, I've been in a clunky industry, in a clunky world for a while, right? I haven't really embraced the technology revolution, and that's starting to change. Now, energy is becoming digital. The way to design systems, track energy, do the financing process, a lot of it can be automated and digitized. So I see this big trend heading here. One of those offshoots is the whole blockchain revolution peer-to-peer trading of energy. So in your case, let's say your neighbor uh, across from the resort in front of you had a big solar system, right? And let's say you were uh, having 10 people coming over, you're going to have a lot of power and the resort is empty. So using an app and using blockchain, you guys could do an accounting arrangement whereby all of his excess power that's sold to the grid 
is now earmarked for you at a special price, right? So you can do a peer-to-peer trading so of is, energy. So, so in the past where I, I know a little bit about, obviously the selling back to the grid, grid has That's been right. around for a while, but you, what you're saying now is people will be their own energy generators, can have their kind of own micro economy of selling energy within a, you know, within their own geographic in the community that's exactly right that's cool i actually it's called a prosumer by the way the name is prosumer so you're not a consumer anymore you're a prosumer you're generating as well as consuming and you're selling that generation back to your community that's cool i think i'm i've literally just funnily enough just about to start learning about this we've got a one of our partners the carbon free group uh which Mm. is my business partner's um brother he's involved with a another business that I, I don't know if it does exactly that, but he was, mm. he was explaining this blockchain platform that they've got, which is looking at calculating energy down to the household level. And, and I think mm-hmm. this is what it is. It's about being able to then resell that, that energy in different areas. I mean, I'm explaining exactly. it badly, no, but it's, it's either the excess generation or the avoided usage, right? Mm-hmm. So once you can track something through a decentralized trusted mechanism, i.e. the blockchain ledger, right, or the distributed ledger, you can now suddenly start to have internal accounting decentralized from the grid. Now, the challenge here is, because you still need to use the grid, right, energy flows at two layers. One is physical, the other one is the accounting mechanism. So the energy that I generate from a rooftop uh, or from a solar farm and pump into the grid is not the same electron that you're going to draw over there in Pi. Right? Let's say there's something generating in Bangkok. But what it is, is the accounting mechanism. The computer will count how many electrons has been generated and transmitted to the grid and how many you, you've used, and then it will do an offset mathematics. So it's that piece that I think you can now um, transform with, with DLT, distributed ledger technology. And the thing is, Matt, my heart tells me that's the future, but my head tells me it's not quite ready yet. Like guys like me, we make money on developing volumes. Uh, yep. The bigger my solar plants can be, the more margin I make, the more money we make. And then, of course, the more we can invest it back to do more projects. But with peer-to-peer trading, imagine the project I referred to earlier, which is like three football fields versus even a thousand houses doing one kilowatt each. You can see what I mean, right? Yeah, right. So, what what, what does it take for that stuff to become real then? Is it going to take independent businesses that, that deal in peer-to-peer trading or will it take energy companies to... To, I mean, the tech's already there, right? It's happening today, mm-hmm. or you're, but mm-hmm. it's, you're, you're just, you're, 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 you've got a, you said your gut feeling, but you know, how much of a market is it today? Is it, or, or is it just, just emerging at this stage? It's emerging. And the reason I say that is because traditionally the financing model has been available for industry, governments, uh, commercial, industrial are very well established. And in this game, it's about relieving the upfront financial cost of the consumer to make him a prosumer. Now, it's starting, for example, in Europe and in Spain, I spent my summer in Barcelona last year in Berlin, and I was exploring solar models. What's happening is that the telecom companies, the Wi-Fi companies, the auto financing companies are now offering residential solar without the upfront cost at the micro level. So basically, mm. the same way that you don't have to pay for your modem and your router, you simply pay for the service, right? The same way these existing companies are switching verticals by using the same core strengths of financing and access to market, right? And customer servicing, but doing it with solar. So, you know, I I must say like over the next five, seven years, as residential solar starts to just take over uh, several markets, uh, Asia is a bit different. 
well, Asia is a big word, but we talk about Southeast Asia, countries like Singapore, we don't have rooftops. <laughs> we all live in buildings. Yeah, uh, whereas point. countries like Thailand, you have a lot of rooftops, right? Uh, so I think in a nutshell, yes, five, seven years is going to start to get interesting and exciting. Those who are in it now are the early movers. Guys like us who sit further behind in the chain, developers, we're starting to embrace digital tools for our solar processes and project management, right? How can I design from not going to the site? Right now, I can't go to a site anyway. It's fucking Corona. So you know what? If I have a tool that I can use Google Earth, I can overlay the panels, I have some different calculators, I have some various other project management functions, uh, shit, it can work. Right? So this is, this is, I think, where we're at, and hopefully we'll catch up soon enough and not get left behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I don't want to geek out too much on solar, although, to be honest, I do find it very interesting, and I, I could talk for another two hours about that, but, um, <laughs> but I, I also really, I did also want to ask you just about your experiences of running a startup in this space, mm. in, in the, I mean, I say this space, I mean, I, I see you as a... Uh, how do you categorize yourself, actually? What do you call yourself as a business, an energy business? Uh, question. Uh, I mean, you know, environmental uh, business. The, the hot words are used to be clean tech. Oh, yeah. Clean tech, cool. yeah. Uh, solar startups, uh, all of the you know, renewable energy. But honestly speaking, man, nowadays, solar is just solar. Like, it's not even, we just run a solar business, you know? So what I was going to ask, I mean, I see you as a clean tech business. I mean, I see you in mm. the environmental space as such. But, sure. you know, starting a starting a business in singapore what's that experience been what are you in are you five years in now four years in is it that long Mate, it's uh 2020 we are now seven years you know? wow seven okay. years time's going too quick so you're not really a startup uh, anymore, right? you're no longer startup, no, 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 you're, no, no. You're, you're way beyond a startup but uh yeah i, I mean uh, we, we could call ourselves a seven-year startup you know simply because the way we operate is always been lean it's always been free it's always been building ecosystems you know instead of uh, i'll talk a bit about the business model actually this is something close to my heart i actually did a webinar on this this one of these global webinars that was quite nice um and i'll pick up a few of those points first point you know Look, man, solar by in its nature is a democratized source of energy. It belongs to all of us. It doesn't belong to any governments, right? And it's not a zero-sum game. I can't take your sunlight and it will make any less from you unless I put my panel in front of your panel, but that's technical. But I'm saying the fuel that shines on our planet belongs to everybody and it, it's forever. So with that similar thinking, you know, our business model has always been about building ecosystems. Dude, we were four guys who started the business at a poolside and then half a month, half a year later, one of my best friends joined us with a half a million dollar check. You know, we started from nothing and we started just based on vision and frankly speaking, you know, my enthusiasm, you know me, man. In those days, I was extremely enthusiastic and uh, still am, but, but, you know, a little bit grayer hairs as you can see. The point is, Matt, that as a business model, we chose specifically to work on a partnership basis and ecosystem basis. The reason is we felt that there's so many different players and different start pieces of the value chain. And a lot of us can do things better than others can. But not all of us can do it all really well. Basically specialization, right? It's, I'm, not, I'm not preaching any new kind of model here. But it's basically specializing in your part of the value chain and creating strong links to build ecosystems that center around a win-win-win ethos. Right. And yeah. that means that you share the pain, you share the reward. Right. So it means that you don't get paid for all your effort. Uh, 
but when you hit something, you hit it together and you make it work. You deliver the fucking thing, right? So it's different in my industry because, you know, Solar Horizon, we're known as the snappy little underdogs, right? We started in a multi-billion dollar industry with half a million bucks. I mean, people laughed at us, but, but we did it. And we've established ourselves as players and, you know, we're your friendly neighborhood developer. It's very different from my... I don't even call it competition, man. These days, I just call it my peers and my colleagues in my industry. You know, I'm, I'm over the whole competing thing. Um, but when I look around, you know, I see, I see, see a very different landscape from what I envisioned seven years ago. You know, like look at me, man. I'm full of tattoos and my sarong with long hair and a beard, like. You know, but I still do serious work and I still do serious multi-million dollar projects and I still deal with serious institutional investors. But like, I thought it was going to be a landscape full of solo warriors and eco-warriors, which is what I believe I am, or I like to think so. But it's not. It's, it's just normal people in suits, you know, like doing business and contractors and construction people. And yes, I, I will say that I was a bit jaded. And I'm happy to say that throughout the years, I found that, yes, there are still those people who actually believe in the planet and its sustainability and the sunshine and all of that good stuff. But these days, it's just a business, Maddie. It's just a business. It's a lot of contracts, financial modeling, construction, management, pitching, proposals, you know, human resources, training, team building. It's just another business. It's just the why behind us is, is different. And we all, at least I'm aligned to my why. And, and, the how is something that keeps getting reinvented, right? <laughs> I mean, a couple of things there. Firstly, I'd have to agree. It's interesting as a business, we're going through exactly like, you know, where we are, um, what we're, we're, we're coming up to two years, but we're mm. going through this transformation now, actually, where everything is going to become about the partner ecosystem and which mm. I'm really looking for. It's, it's good to hear you talk about that because I think it's, it, it's certainly a, a philosophy that we're going to kind of now, um, continue to grow the business by. Um, but the other point you made there as well, this whole, I mean, this space in general, of course, it started off with, um, you know, the, the hippie tone to it, if you want to call it that at some point. But <laughs> yes. in reality, in reality <laughs> it, it's an area that is, is going to survive <laughs> because it's profitable, right? So I, I think, mm. you know, the, the profitability around, around what you're doing is, is ultimately you know, why it can grow and why it can survive and, and you still get to, to feel good. I mean, you got into it for, for those reasons, but at the same time, you're growing a business, you know, profit for, I don't know whether you call yourself a profit for purpose type business, but you see that, you see that term thrown around a lot now. I don't, I don't know whether that's what you consider yourself, but um, yeah, you, you know, Maddie, yeah. I'm so glad you, you've, you've encouraged the conversation to this area because I think this, Look, man, we haven't seen each other in a couple of years. And frankly, I've been through a fundamental transformation at a, at a being level, at a soul level, an existential level, you know. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about this. Um, the first point is, look, we're not profitable yet on the books. You know, we've survived. We've, nobody's paid my bills but me. Nobody's paid me a salary but me. Um, but, you know, we haven't made oodles of money. Mm. And in fact, I used to hold myself up, as you well know, to that standard that, oh, profitability and how much money you make is a, is a measure of your success. And I think I was quite misguided, honestly speaking. And having been through the change that I've been through, you know, my dear ex-wife, you know, we, we split on amicable terms, but it was, it was the start of my whole world crumbling. And at that time, this was last January, um, and then my business was failing. I wasn't making any money, racking up debts. Uh, Singapore was a tough time in that time. Uh, I lost my home, my beautiful apartment. I couldn't afford it anymore. 
basically a lot of my anchors and material parts of my life uh, just collapsed, actually. And uh, as you know, I set off on this long journey, traveling to the Andes and South America and to Europe with no fucking money and just figuring shit out and called it my sabbatical. But basically it was me just, you know, starting a new life without knowing, not having anything anymore. Um, and it was huge because throughout these last year and a half, especially where I am right now, I have a very different view on profitability. I have a very, very different definition and understanding and and value of profitability. Uh, of course, in its definition, obviously, you know, in the pragmatic sense, it means that you make more money than you spend. But I look at it slightly differently. I look at it as having more input than the output you put in. So you put in output, you mix that, sorry, you put in input, input means your effort, your energy, your time, right? You mix it with the ecosystem, everybody else, that's working with you and their energy, their time and their goals. And then what comes out should be greater than the sum of those inputs because otherwise you haven't added any value and you've just been stroking your balls, right? And then what comes back to you as a result of creating that output should be greater than the sum of all of this. Now, if you purely put it as money terms, I made that equation will fall on its head, especially as an entrepreneur, as you well know, my brother. Yeah, of course. But when you start yeah. to put that in terms of value, right, that equation suddenly starts to shift. And today, where I am, right, look, man, six months ago, I had 10 bucks to my name when I came back to Singapore. $10 in my pocket. That's it. In August 28th, I remember the day. Came back after this crazy sabbatical of going to the whole world and all of that. And then this contract came through that I've been working on for two years. And it's the project we just delivered. And suddenly I had some cash flow again. I was able to start paying back debt. I was able to start living life. And now where I'm at, um, there's a few things have also gone well since. I'm now in a place where <clears throat> I'm able to remotely operate my business, doing things that I find extremely meaningful, loving what I do, loving doing all my deal making, sitting here in Goa and my sarong and Arambol while dealing with all my investors from Norway and Germany and my teams and the construction progress and Singtel and all these big customers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then whatever money that's coming through now, albeit it's slower because of Corona. You know what? My expenses are super low in India. I live a pretty simple life. Man, I think I'm very profitable, you know? Uh, I'm super profitable. I'm feeling damn good about it. Now, you, again, you attach numbers to it. Now, people might be like, oh, it's just a few thousand bucks or whatever. But when you take away that attachment of fucking numbers and, and create value, I mean, ascribe values instead. Oh, man, mate. Yeah, I'm in a super profitable time of my life, even though I don't have much. <laughs> Very interesting. Cheers. Cheers for <laughs> Cheers for sharing that. It sounds like a, look, it, no, it, it sounds like a, a philosophy you might want to get down on pen and paper at some point. So, mm, and um, and advice. you know what? Interestingly, when you look at our current situation, you know I think what will come out of what's happening now. I mean, apart from the fact that people are being thrown into remote situations to mm. to have to deal with things in a very different way, I think it's also going to make uh, you know a lot of people realize uh, you know the value of 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 things outside of just profitability and, and how that does add to, you know, the measure of a measure of a business isn't necessarily just profit. It is people, it is planet, it is everything else. So. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, and now, sorry, I want to come back to that second part because th this is the second part you said that really struck with me. This 
uh, you know, you use the word profit for purpose, but, but how you just described it, what you just said, this struck me, sorry to interrupt, but I want to come in here. See, brother, <clears throat> if you are, okay, what am I trying to say? Purpose, right? It's such an important driver. And I think it has different layers, right? Uh, I think there's a personal layer. I think there is, in the context of what we're talking about, a, a business layer or, or a startup, whatever, like, you know, the organizations that we work for. And then there's the, the third layer, right? The output you create for the world. And, you know, actually, at the start of the convo, just before we were setting up, you talked about some of the themes we're going to cover and the profit for purpose stuck with me. So now that I've explained the profitability side, I want to just share a little bit on purpose side. Okay? Before I share that, I want to ask you a question, Nadi. In a nutshell, how would you define or answer these three layers of purpose at a personal level, at a business level, and at a society level in what you're doing? I'd like to get that frame of reference before I share from my side. In what I'm doing business-wise, you mean? Life, business, and society, right? These three, these three layers, right? Um, people, profit, purpose. Sorry, what are the three layers? Uh, Personal, right? Personal purpose. Second is purpose yep. of your business or organization. And third is what, what's the purpose of all of these two things to the wider society and the world? I don't, here's interesting. My instant reaction, which is always probably the best one to give is I, I don't, when I think about the word purpose, I, tr I try not to differentiate it from whether it's, you know, the way I treat my friends around me, the way I see my life, the way I get up in the morning, to grow and run my business i'm you know i think personally for me i've always tried to amalgamate all of those things so there isn't really necessarily you know lines between mm -hmm. them at the end of the day so um you know for me I, I mean having you know if i'm doing something for a long time whether it's a job whether it's writing an article whether whatever it is if if there's a lack of purpose in that process i'm gonna ultimately give it up because uh, that's just my character i will not bother continuing simple as that so for Very me interesting, brother. yeah so i i don't know whether that answers the question maybe i didn't quite well it gives me question. a very yeah well no i actually I, I you've just given me a very different insight and different view to to have let's say i'm looking at things and so l l let's let's work with that frame of reference right an amalgamated purpose sorry i'm not trying to take over the conversation and ask you too many questions <laughs> no go for it it's um, fine <laughs> uh, it's it's, uh, it's important uh, for my own from the value I'm getting out of this conversation, right? Which is these insights and ability to talk through somebody whom I know and I trust. And so anyway, so amalgamating purpose and not differentiating. Okay, so from my side, uh, I'm looking at layers. Maybe I'll look at it as circles, right? Uh, I'm more circular these days in life than linear, okay? So I'm looking at, let's say, three balls. I'll visualize this, like Venn, kind of like Venn diagrams, let's say, okay? Yeah. So the inner purpose, the, the personal purpose. Um, you know, I've struggled with this a lot, Maddie. My whole fucking life. You know me for a long time now. And, I've, and you know that I've been a little lost in directing my energies. These days, I have a pretty simple purpose. It's to surrender and just let life happen, man. To surrender to the universe's ways, to let it just have its way with me and just live it. And that's my personal sense of purpose. Uh, it's very simple. It's not very fancy, but it's extremely rewarding. Okay. The sense of purpose, how that now extends to my business, right? Is, dude, if I am to be harmony in harmony with the universe, I need to be in harmony with nature and my planet. 
and the thing that sustains me, right? It's more than the food that we eat. Where does it come from? The air that we breathe, the water that we drink. <laughs> it all comes from, right? And I feel that what I do in my business is, is aligned with that. It's aligned with that. Um, the how we do it is also aligned with the business world. And you know me, I'm a business guy. I love doing my deal making and my negotiations and my financial stuff, and blah, blah, blah. I love that shit. So actually it serves a bit of my personal purpose, which is, you know, serving the, the businessman in me. And on the other side, which is serving the humanist and, and naturalist in me, right? Or the growing environmentalism in me. And at the third layer, which is how do these two together serve a purpose for, for the wider world? Well, I think, again, if you're aligned with your personal purpose and it's aligned with, a, let's say, an environmental purpose in this case, it could be human, it could be learning, it could be training, so many things. Then I think the value or the, the purpose to society becomes pretty clear because by being aligned to the conscious movement of preserving our planet and using the resources that it gives us to power our growth and development, if, if it's only going to help, you know, it's only going to contribute. Maybe a drop in the ocean, but you know, we're all cosmic pieces of dust, mate. If coming together we can contribute a drop into the ocean, hey, that's a life well spent in my books, you know. So that's that's the way I'm, I'm looking at things, man. And it was really interesting to hear your view because, in a way, it's similar because they're all amalgamated. They're all fucking one, you know. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's certainly um we've not spoken in I don't know how long it was maybe two or three years but yeah. it, it certainly seems to have um you seem to have benefited and, and enjoying being in a being in India so it sounds like it's not the worst thing for you to be stuck no. in Goa right now no. running your business from there. <laughs> it's like um, I'm pretty grateful man I got a good setup like I got a little home gym outside I use the water bottles as weights. I use the ledgers to do my push-ups. Uh, some dude happened to pull out a TRX, and only I got equipment now. Uh, I got a little rooftop terrace that you can you can hear the ocean. You can't quite see the water, but you can see the sunset and the palm trees and the birds. You know, every now and then no. you have to become you have to get your Rambo skills out and go out there and forage for food and you know get out there and bring bring the bacon home. <laughs> you know, um, which are also good skills to learn. You know, it's not a supermarket run anymore. It's like, all right, I'm going ranging. I'll be back in three hours with what I can find and then you come back with a smoker's bond of stuff um, so yeah brother I'm in a really good place Matt you know and, and I want you to know that this conversation is very uplifting for me and it's really helping and my vibrations just mm, I'm buzzing inside right now it feels good <laughs> <laughs> Look, well like as we're, we're kind of drawing to a close but I, I don't want to forget to do this which is I want to mm. congratulate you 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 recently won an award, right, in Mumbai. Um, and do I get this right? For at the, the CSR Congress, World CSR yeah, Congress, for the, yeah, yes. 50, amongst the 50 global green leaders. Was that a. Yes, that's correct. So well done. I wanted to congratulate Thank you, you on brother. that. I will, I will reference it in the, in the intro and give people more details. On, <laughs> no need. On that. No, you can just call I it that crazy that solar one. guy. That, that's good enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> The one that talks too much. That's how people usually know me in the industry. Oh, mate, these, are the, these are the ones it's easy to do a podcast with. Um, oh, mate, is it's so, so nice. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like me to ask you or that you'd like to talk about before we... Well, look, it's just about sharing a message, you know, and, and I'm, this, this will be the thing I wanted to share with whichever few people who may listen to this. Hopefully it's more than a few is look guys, we're going through some pretty challenging times, you know, and, and we're all so fucking consumed by it. And, and 
to good measure, right? In our generation, nothing like this has ever happened and hopefully it doesn't happen again. But I think the message I want to share is, is about the choices that we make now and how we will shape the, the world after Corona. And I want to particularly reference uh, an author of the book Sapiens and Homo Deus, Yuval Noah Hariri. Um, I've actually been reading these books recently and, and he published an article in the Financial Times. I'm going to send it to you, Maddie. It would be great if you can put it as a link in the podcast. Yeah, please do. I would it. love yeah. for people to, to, to read this because he could write much better than I could even dream of speaking. But in a nutshell, right? Look, this is a test for humanity. You know, we've, the mantra for the world has been growth, 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 progress, growth, growth, growth. And, and we've all measured ourselves with how much we can grow financially, productively, GDP. Uh, but it's come at a cost. And it's come at a cost of creating a lot of misery for all of these people who just feel alone and stuck in their fucking lives. Uh, it's something that the Change School, as you know, was founded, uh, which was my ex-wife's company, uh, to address and support. Uh, but I think that, you know, now is, is really about the choices we make. And our compassion has to come out. Uh, it cannot be that we go into hoarding more fucking guns because everybody's going to take our shit. It's not the way humanity was designed. You know, our, our cells, our DNA is not meant to be isolated. And I'd like to leave, leave my, my piece with a quote. Uh, it's an old African proverb. You probably know this from Salonia, uh, but I'd like to share that. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that with that, you know, I'd like, I'd like everybody who has a chance to stay to the end of this call or the conversation to take that couple of minutes to reflect, you know, what is the world that we want to see on the other side and what the fuck can I do today about it? And that's, that's what I want to say, man. Awesome, Sam. Well, mate, that's a, a great way to cap it off. And um, it's been awesome to talk and uh, connect again. And I, Likewise, I wish you brother. Wish you all the best of luck with, with obviously the current situation and yeah, we'll keep in contact and um, hopefully we'll not just be zooming, but we'll hopefully um, yes. yeah, catch up in, in person again soon. I'm mate. long, over, I'm long overdue to pie and you are long overdue to go my brother. So, you know, can't wait to see you and give you a big hug. I'm sending <laughs> you a nice astral hug right now, but I'd love to just see you and smother you in a big Sammy bear hug. I miss you, Maddie. I'm so happy to see you. And um, <laughs> let's talk again soon, my brother. Really, really glad we did this. Sounds good, mate. All the best. Take care. See you, brother. Ciao, ciao. Be safe. This is a podcast from Task. Task helps you create and measure impact. For more information, please visit task.io.